Another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. On the mic this week, we have Brie Firestone joining us. And this is a very special throwback because it was many years ago, uh, perhaps in the brink of the pandemic, when Brie joined a workshop we held called Art of the Start. And the joy of Art of the Start was three friends, Kate Wharton, Jackie Carr, and myself, came together to say what were some various workshops that people might be interested in learning a little something about on the verge or on the edge of this way of life we we knew nothing about called the pandemic. And of course, count on Jackie to say it's time to manage our dollars and cents. And she brought Brie onto the mic. Few years have passed and we continue to riff about what it means to be financially literate and really woke with our dollars and cents at the Corker Co. And it reminded me of Brie, the power of going a year without spending frivolous dollars and really having dates with your bank account. She's now diving into the neuroscience of why we spend the money we spend and the emotional attachment. I'll say no more. I'll leave it to Brie to introduce herself and I hope you enjoy this one. Bree, welcome to the show. I am really stoked that you are a yes. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, I know I just introduced you from where I had the pleasure of meeting you back at the Art of the Start. Yet really, I'd love you to introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what really matters to you. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Well, I'm a neuroscience-based money healer. And I have a company called the School of Betty, where I guide individuals who identify as women, how to understand themselves so that they can build wealth. And I stumbled into this world because I was a disaster with my money in my 20s. And I'm from a really small town in Missouri. I grew up on a gravel road and I moved to New York City when I was 21 and quickly fell in love with Starbucks Frappuccinos and plastic credit cards and shopping on my lunch break, even though I only made (laughs) $30,000, I did not understand how to manage my money. And by the time I was 23, I was $30,000 in credit card debt and I had $20,000 in student loans, which by today's standards does not seem like a lot, but you know, 23, I'm $50,000 in debt. And I remember having this moment of saying to myself, you know, I'm not going to struggle with money like some of the adults in my life struggled. And there I was struggling with my money, living paycheck to paycheck, kind of crumbling under this debt. And I realized that that's all I was ever taught. I wasn't taught how to operate any other way. And I kind of used my grit. I'm very I'm very stubborn. I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I created an Excel spreadsheet. I paid off that credit card debt in less than three years. And fast forward, I you know don't don't live on credit cards. I pay them off every month. But as I made more money, I just started spending more money. And it got to a point in my life where there was a, a financial situation. I was like, I got to make some changes. And I decided to give up shopping for a year. You know, I couldn't buy shoes, handbags, anything that was, you know, um, not a necessity. And that was the year that changed my life because then I connected 
that it wasn't really about the money. Then I connected that it was all about my habits and my behaviors and my emotional state and how I was feeling. It was then that I realized, oh, you don't actually want that. Sure, you're bored or you're unhappy in your marriage or you just don't feel fulfilled. And so it was then that I, my head exploded. I was like, no one is teaching this. No one is, number one, we're not learning how to manage our money first. Get, we're not gaining the skill set around that. Most of us are not. And number two, no one is talking about the psychology behind the money. We all know what we're supposed to do, but we don't do it. So it's mm-hmm. not a logical situation. And so I just started really diving into the psychology and the neuroscience. And that's how I created my company. I was like, I'm going to teach this. No one's teaching it. And it lights me up. And so here I am almost six years later, and I'm still lit up by it. Started as a side hustle. Now it's my full hustle. And it brings me a lot of joy to help individuals release the stress around this thing that we have to interact with every day for the rest of our lives. And yet most of us do not know how to do that. And so if I can help as many individuals as possible release that stress so they can actually use it for what it is, a tool to live a really awesome life. Peace. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Mic drop. Mic drop. Well, it's, I mean, talk about the power of language, because as you speak about this thing that we have to interact with, it's like, I always say our health is our greatest wealth. And right next to our health is the dollar signs. And it's not that we need, and that this is the misconception you've just shared more wealth doesn't, you know, you made more money and you spent more money. And then you went on the, I'm not going to buy anything for a year journey. And can we start there? And what was your relationship roller coaster ride with that year of your life? Oh my goodness. Well, first everyone I told that's what I was going to do they just laughed at me. Anyone who knew me at that time, I mean, I was spending a lot of hours at DSW and Ross Dress for Less. I wasn't buying luxury goods, but I wouldn't think twice about dropping $400 on things I didn't need. And Mm. so I would say the first three months were painful because Mm. I did not realize just how much time I spent shopping. And I didn't, this is what I tell any of my buddies who, who are going through my programs. I'm like, you're going to realize how much free time you have because Mm. we spend a lot of time making up errands when we have like a free afternoon. We're like, oh, I'm going to run errands. And all of a sudden you have this whole list of things you have to do, or, um, you know, just, you know, using shopping for everything, because we learn at a very young age, we shop or we buy things to celebrate, to soothe. Those are the two biggest things, right? Those are the two emotional states that we're navigating often in our lives. And so I I had to double down and just be uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable because I was definitely using shopping as an escape to kind of numb out, even though I wasn't putting it on credit cards and not paying off a credit card, I was not using my money in the best way for me. I mean, I wasn't saving like I should have been saving. And I just really started to recognize the minute when I had an urge to shop, I was like, how do you feel right now? Like what's happening right now? And that was super powerful. It's one of the first 
um, I guess, assignments that my buddies have. It's like when you shop, I want you to pause and ask yourself how you feel. What day of the week is it? What time of day is it? What are you buying? What store are you in? And you're going to start to see some patterns. And that was really what that year was for me. I started to understand, oh, holy smokes, like this certain meeting stresses me out. And I'm almost always going to go to Starbucks and, you know, buy snacks and all of the things. And this isn't about never spending. This isn't about not buying things just because you want them, but it's about doing an alignment with your life. And that year I was kind of blown away. I, I started working for a nonprofit that year. So I was making half the money I was making before. And I gave more to, I gave I donated more that year and I put $20,000 in the bank. It, it was mind blowing how much I was just wasting because I was trying to make myself feel better emotionally. Mm. And when you can sit in those emotions, again, another thing we're not taught in school of like how to regulate ourselves emotionally and navigate through feelings then you kind of move into this space where money can be logical because mm. then you don't have all these emotions wrapped around it. It's yeah. you know how to celebrate and soothe yourself for free or $20 or $500. Like you're not, you, you know how to do it and you can do it within the parameters of what you have to spend. And Man, I did it two more times. I've done it three times total. And I will You've spent often three years of your life buying nothing. Yeah, not consecutively, but I would, you yeah. know, go a couple of years. I'm like, all right, let's do this again. And it is the thing I almost always go back to when I feel like I'm starting to edge out of like where I'm just starting to spend and I'm not really paying attention to it because the biggest thing that it does is it makes you mindful. It yeah. it, it forces you to have a pause, a powerful pause, because what a lot of individuals don't realize what I didn't realize was how many habits I had around shopping and being busy around buying things. Right. Yeah. You're just doing, your brain doesn't know if it's a good habit for you or not. It's like, this is what we do on Saturday when we're bored. (laughs) Right. In the car. And we spend a lot of money at Target. Right. Hot diggity. This is really powerful because there is so much to be said about our emotions, about regulation, about habits. I often, you know, say or share on the pod that we're all addicts and we're just addicts of different things. And who do we get to deem, you know, a good addict or a bad addict? And if someone's grocery shopping, you just think they're grocery shopping. Yet, Maybe they're bored and they're buying hundreds of dollars of things that might just go to waste or really aren't, dare I say, good for us. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's the, it's the addiction. And so, holy heck, I love that you kicked off the pod by sharing that you're really diving into the neuroscience of it, which I gasp a little bit and think like, are you also calling yourself a therapist? Because this is like deep generational trauma that you're helping people deal with or uncover. And what is that like for, for you? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I certainly always want to stay in my lane. I am a certified life coach. And so I always think of it as I want to move someone forward. 
And if we're spinning backwards in a space, then lovingly, it's like, this is a, let's move you with a human who can really help you unpack things. But for me, when I talk about the neuroscience, I really, you know, I'm not a scientist. I am a voracious learner and reader, and it was powerful for me to understand how my brain operates. And Mm -hmm. I find that when individuals come into my space, I can impart with them just some simple things around how their brain operates, how it's happening, why they have habits around certain things, how they can change it. And what's really powerful about that is they get to release a lot of shame and a lot of punishment and negative self-talk that they're taking themselves through because they're quote unquote bad with their money. Mm. And they don't, they're not recognizing that to an extent, there are some things that they, your brain is just kind of taken over and overriding for you. And once you can understand how it happens, once you can understand how your brain develops and in that alpha stage, you know, by the time you're nine, you have a lot of money beliefs and feelings and emotions about money in your subconscious. That's powerful. Because then, then we get to take them through their stories and this happens, I would say 90% of the time, most of individuals, when they think of a really core money, like memory, it's almost always around seven to nine when they're starting to go from that subconscious to conscious um, thinking and then we get to say, how is that presenting right now in your adult life? And then it, their brain explodes. I'm like, cool, we get to rewire that. You don't have to accept that anymore. So yeah. for me, it was so powerful for me because I can have moments, I'm human, right? I have moments where I will go down the rabbit hole. I'll be like edging. I'm like, ooh, this is a habit that we're creeping back into, right? We can't get rid of habits. They just, we create new ones. I'm like, Ooh, this habit flared up again. And I can give myself grace because I understand how easy that can happen. And to see individuals change their life. I just say money's the window they come to me for, Mm. whether it's credit card debt is stressing them out or they're living paycheck to paycheck. That's the window they're coming to me for. But anything I'm teaching around money, you can apply to your life because it's not really about the money. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? It's not really about the money. I think paycheck to paycheck seems like the the bird chirping that we often hear. It's like whether you make $50,000 or $500,000, whether you're working down that gravel road or on Wall Street, there are still people very much so living paycheck to paycheck. And what are your thoughts on that? I think first, you know, we have to acknowledge that there are individuals out there that are, their circumstances and their opportunity looks a lot different. And that's real. Paycheck to paycheck is real. And, you know, there are also other individuals who are living paycheck to paycheck because they are not aware of how much they're actually spending. And they're too scared to look at the numbers because we can have so much fear around our money. We give money so like emotion, we give it so much emotion and so much power when it's just a thing. And it can't, it can't take on any emotion unless you give it an emotion. And so a lot of individuals are just an avoidance. And so the reality is when it comes to paycheck to paycheck is we can look at reducing expenses 
And we can look at making more money and we can look at both. And I want individuals to live a really great life. I think their budget should be flow, which is why I call it a money flow. And it shouldn't feel like you're giving up too much. You might have, you might be uncomfortable, right? You're going to have to stretch into some things, but you shouldn't feel like you're on a diet. That That's just the quickest way to like not stick to something. But I think a lot of individuals don't often think too, how do I make more money? Mm. How do I ask for a raise? Mm. Did I ask for a raise at the beginning? There are so many, and we can add, you know, individuals who identify as women and just the whole other stack of things with that. Right. And so I think paycheck to paycheck is real. I think some of it is just based on your circumstances and how your life is at that moment. And I think sometimes it, you can create it for yourself, Hmm. but in those situations, you have to look at your numbers. You have to numbers. You can't ever change it unless you look at your numbers. Fair. Yeah. Know what you're dealing with. I'm hitting the pause button on this sweet episode to tell you about something that you might like. Our newsletter, we call it the Corkboard. It has all things juicy, whether you are looking to keep in touch between episodes or find out more about our coaching, development, or hot new jobs that we're working on. The link is in our show notes. Your inbox is sacred and your time is too. So now let's get back to the episode. You mentioned Starbucks and I think, you know, the old school literature on the latte factor. And I'm curious if you believe in 2023, like, is the latte factor still a thing? Are we blowing money at Starbucks or is it easy to blame Starbucks? And really, do you know what I mean? Like, is, yeah, is it Starbucks or is it about the the daily habit? I think it's more about the daily habit. You know, we can look at the whole Starbucks thing and that was very much geared towards women and <laughs> assuming they're frivolously just buying these fancy coffees. And, you know, the reality is if you're buying a $5 coffee five days a week, that's a hundred bucks a month. So I think, you know, there's, it's valid in a sense where understand how much that is costing you and is it valuable to you? Is it in your money flow? Um, I just don't think it's something that um, if it brings you joy, we have to find a way to include it in your life. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's not five days a week, but maybe it's, you know, twice a week or before Mm -hmm. your big meetings or whatever it is, we get to package those things. So it feels really good. This is not about, I always say, um, I am not Dave Ramsey. I'm not old school in that sense where I don't believe debt's bad. I believe that you can, I want you to learn and understand the quote unquote best practices because those are either making you money or saving you money. And then you get to decide how you want to break those rules according to what is a priority for your life, according to what your values are for your life. So if that coffee every day brings you a lot of joy and lights you up and it's valuable to you and you're willing to spend a hundred dollars on it, rock and roll. Yeah. Well said. Well said. You I mean, a coffee's a not going to, yeah, a coffee's not going to majorly change your, your, um, your budget. It, it's really, you know, your housing, your transportation, 
groceries and healthcare, those are the things that are really going to make a big difference in your budget. But um, I think it's just an easy kind of cop out sometimes to look at that. And also saving a hundred bucks a month could be really awesome for you. Even 50, if you want to move that into like, I want to get my nails done. I don't know how to do it. Yeah. There's an area you can like start to decide how you want to negotiate that money in order to get what you want. Well said. I love it. One of the questions that came in from the team was, how do you live a very fulfilled life and not worry about money? And I want to upgrade the question and just say, do you believe you can live a very fulfilled life and not worry about money? I do. Because there are communities around the world who don't even have money, who still do a barter system that don't even, you know, Mm -hmm. use paper money and they're perfectly happy. That is, I mean, we can get big thinking right here, but it's not ever about the money. Yeah. And you start to, and let me just say, it can be about the money, right? We have to be Maslow's hierarchy needs. We have to have food, shelter, clothing, and safety. And so You know, when we start to get threatened, like when we're worried we're not going to be able to have a roof over our head, then that's really hard to navigate because our safety is being threatened. And that's like our number one need, right? Our number one um, basis for living. And so I do believe you can live peacefully Mm -hmm. and not worry about money. But I think what is really important about that in order to get to that is you have to understand what is valuable to your life. Mm -hmm. You have to understand the type of life you want to live and what your values are. Because what a lot of individuals do, they don't know either of those things. Mm -hmm. And so they try to compete with everyone around them or -hmm. they start doing the things that everyone else is doing. Maybe it's the fancy car or the bigger house. When they have this moment and they still feel empty, So if you're having a moment in your life where you still feel empty, we have to address, it's not about the money. It's, are you in alignment with the values for your life? And do you know what those are? Well said. Absolutely. Core values are bust. I can't not ask you this question because you allude to an age range, seven to nine, that we have a, a memory of money. And I think it's interesting. What I'm plugging in is that it's a negative memory. And yet I could be very wrong. Maybe in fact, it's a positive memory. And you remember a time at eight years old where your parents were raving about how much money they had. And I was like, why do I go to the negative um, part one? And and part two, um, my question for those listening that do have children, do you have any insight for parents with children and what can they do to help I want to say like reverse the childhood trauma as it relates to money. Yeah. Well, you're not wrong. Most people do go to the negative. Our brains are wired towards the negative. And usually if you have a pretty core memory, you know, the, the science tells us that it's, it's a lot of times it can, it can be negative, right? Especially around something like money, which we can associate a lot of negative behaviors and emotions around And it could be simple too, you know, that doesn't have to be this really dramatic story, but I was talking to a buddy the other night and she had this realization of like, oh, I always buy shampoo. I always rebuy my toiletries when I've only, when I have three quarters left, I've only gone through a fourth. 
And she's, and I was like, what in your childhood around that time? Like, what, what do you remember? She's like, I remember we never went without. And I was like, do you see the connection here that that's your way in your adult life? Your eight-year-old's running your money, FYI, unless you kind of unpack your stories of feeling safe because it's like, I have this and I'm never going to run out. It's similar to like, if you didn't have a full pantry growing up, I will see a lot of my buddies they will never let their food go down. They'll never eat everything in their in their refrigerator or their pantry because it has to be full. It gives them the sense of security and safety. Mm. So you're right. It's almost always, it can be very negative because our brains are wired towards that. And when it relates to, you know, parents and raising children, you know, be easy on yourself, right? We're <laughs> Not going to do this thing perfect. Um, I think what's really powerful is to understand that money is a value system. And the value scale is set by the individual. And that means um, it may be worth it to me to go buy organic, shop at Whole Foods, whatever. And the next person, that's not valuable to them. They're they're going to Aldi's or Costco or whatever, and they would rather spend their money buying a handbag, right? So the value scale is different. And what's important about that is it will allow you, number one, to drop judgment from how other people are spending their money. And number two, it allows you to approach money in a different way as it relates to kids, you know, individuals who are growing up kind of learning because then we get to change the words that we're using. We get to change. Um, we don't say like, why do you want that? Or questioning, or we can't afford that. We get to move into a dialogue that is more focused around, um, will you have X amount of dollars? What feels valuable to you? Mm. Would you prefer to go do this? Or would you prefer to go do that? And they start to see that it's not a matter of I can't afford it. It's a matter of what feels more aligned for me and more valuable for me. And your kids are watching what you do and they are soaking in everything you say about money. Yeah. And the energetics that you have around money. Yeah. And so that's the biggest thing, right? They will, and it can go 50-50. You can grow in a household where everyone spent so much money and you never had to worry about money, but you worry about running out of money because you never had to worry about it growing up. Right. So it can just be, you know, every situation can, can deliver a different result. But I think just being mindful of those things and number first and foremost, work on your relationship with money because the individuals in your household, the friends, the people you're hanging out with, it will start to shift for them. Hmm. Powerful. Oh, well, it's never about money. I think every every book that you read about money will share that. And this is really hitting home that it's not about money. It's the power of our values. It is about the opportunity to rewire our brains, rewire our habits. Mm -hmm. um, talk about taking a mindful moment and the power of checking in with emotions before spending money. And what is that relationship? It's so, so powerful. And mm -hmm. then we can take, you know, saving money kind of becomes whether you're saving or spending, it's like, it's the same approach to any goal. And whether that is, you know, you want to 
run a certain time, you want to gain weight or lose weight, you want yeah. to, you know, what, whatever those other pieces of the puzzle are, you want to visit a certain place in the world. Um, it doesn't have to be about money. It can be about the the value of the adventure and the joy of the journey and getting there. And that feels Absolutely. so, so cool. Absolutely. Oh gosh. Well, we will make sure there's links and time goes by so quickly. I have to ask our final question before we wrap the show. And that is right now in this moment, what is making your heart beat faster, Brie? Mm. That's such a good question. I told myself I would not overthink this. <laughs> I am, you know, I am, I am rebuilding my life after divorce. And, you know, that started during pandemic in 2020. And so it has been such an eye-opening experience for me and, um, you know, the partner I'm with and his kids have just been, it's just been magical. It's been magical. Mm -hmm. It's things in my life I didn't think I would ever experience and such a learn, such a learning experience for me and such a good reflection. And that feels just so fun to experience these moments in life that maybe some individuals take for granted or don't feel like, you know, fancy. And they're just magical. They're magical. Like a seventh grade orchestra concert. I'm like, this is magical. <laughs> You are finding magic in all of the moments. And if this is the reminder of it's possible and reinvention with your money, reinvention with your relationships, reinvention with, you know, what you thought going out on a Thursday or Friday night. Now you're at a yeah. school watching seventh graders and yeah. <laughs> loving it. So here for the magic dust, we'll make sure in the links below how people can get in touch with you and dive into this work if they are interested. Um, undeniably, I think your Instagram is worth everyone following and so fun. And I just want to say thank you so much for adding fun and humanity to a conversation that so often feels riddled in shame and guilt, um, trauma that we don't know how to uncover. And I really want to commend you for being a, a woman of this work, because when I look at quote unquote experts, it feels so male dominated. Mm -hmm. And I want to know how women choose to spend their dollars and cents. Yeah. So thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. So good to see you and uh, until the next time. Sounds good. Oh, hey, before you go, you know, listening to podcasts on this thing called the internet, it's a wild ride. And what would be so helpful on our wild journey is if you would be so kind to jump on and give us a review. Four, maybe even five stars. It really helps. Thanks for joining us.